I lived in the States for a bit 10, 15 years ago mm. and obviously drove when I was here. And I never really noticed it at the time. I don't know if I was just young and straight out of college and didn't really think anything of it. I was just excited. But I've been over here a few times and driven since. And I just forget how <laughs> utterly unruly everyone is. Like you're just... Mm the biggest truck you've ever seen will be on one side of you you're in this small van in the middle and then you've got someone honking at you on the other side it's just utterly terrifying I mean the journey over here was was bad enough we had I'm here with our colleague Hannah Holden who you will have heard on the all the gear podcast if you listen to that Mm -hmm. and she had some visa issues she's got a criminal record or something now joking uh (laughs) yeah so apparently if you change your passport, you have to also get a new Esther for traveling to the US. So that was fun sitting in the airport at seven o'clock in the morning, panicking about whether or not an Esther was going to come through in time to get your flight. But we got there. The flight was amazing. There was 30 people on the plane. So I actually managed to get oh. a whole room to myself and just, you know, when you just get you lay down and you're staring at a row of seats going that is as soon as we are in the air yeah. that row of seats is mine i am getting in there yep got in there had a little lie down had, had a couple of hours so that was good watched um the new series watched, of brooklyn 99 you didn't watch a film well that's the thing is it's funny isn't it whenever as soon as i get off a plane, i text people you know family friends loved ones and i say here safely landed blah 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 the usual things you send to loved ones when you mm. get somewhere and the first question is always what film did you watch <laughs> yeah exactly. like, like watching a film is this <laughs> like the twilight zone you watched a film on a plane well they knew what they like new films or like old ones the se- i'm not gonna lie to you matt the selection was rubbish there was nothing was it, there yeah. that was inspiring me so Right, so let's start with the players in general. It's sort of strange that given this was the tournament where in 2020 it was cancelled after the first round due to mm. the, the incoming COVID pandemic, so to speak, that actually this feels a lot stranger than that. Now, I wasn't here for that, but obviously I imagine that was quite a difficult year. But this year, obviously, we've got the the live golf thing hanging over us. The the last year's champion isn't here, which has caused a big talking point, which we'll get to later. But it's it's difficult to comprehend because of that, just how different the golf landscape is as recently as 12 months ago. Yeah, the, the, the world's best are making their way to Pontevedra Beach. And yeah, it's it's the PGA Tours flagship event. It's the so-called fifth major. When when they this time last year, Live Golf wasn't a, a thing. It was in the air. We sort of knew mm. that it might be happening. There were talks of it. But even at this point last year, Rory McIlroy was calling it dead in the water. That's not the kind of thing you say lightly. And obviously, Bill Mickelson went on to do his scary mother effers interview with Alan Shipnuck. And then we all thought it was gone. And uh, and obviously, you know, Cam Smith went on to win. It was a wonderful week. And we all sort of said, oh, you know, Cam Smith is going to be the next thing. He's just an incredible putter, incredible focus. He's going to go on and win multiple majors. I mean, he started at the Open, of course, and he's, you know, he still could. He's still in the majors. But mm. you come here this week and it's just, it's a strange atmosphere. Every single press conference on 
Tuesday. What day is it today? It's Wednesday, isn't it? Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. today. So all the press conferences on Tuesday were largely about every single player, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Xander Schauffele, all of them got asked about whether or not Cameron Smith should be here mm. to defend his title. Now, the PGA Tour party line is he made his decision. He knew the consequences. Absolutely not. Rory said something that stuck with me and he said the tournament is absolutely weaker without Cam Smith in the field, which it is. Like, it's always a shame when a, a defending ch- champion doesn't show up. <laughs> you see this a lot with majors, don't you? If you look at anyone's major record, who any major winner's major record, it's it's surprising. In, in fact, this might be quite a good deep dive for an article, but it's <laughs> the, the number of players who win a major and then miss the cut when defending. Now, I'm not saying Cam Smith would have absolutely missed the yeah. cut this, this year, but there's there's you know there's a lot of pressure on a defending champion. There's a lot of extra things you have to do around being a defending champion. So, of course, we don't know how Cam Smith would have got on. The party line, as I said, from PJ Tour players is that he knew the consequences when he signed up for Liv. But there's, there's a different feeling among golf fans and, and certainly around on social media anyway. Yeah, well, you say um, about his like de- defensive, he did turn up. A, a, a player has never actually ever defended the Players' Championship. That's a really um, cool start, actually, isn't it? I've, yeah, I've it's really interesting. Looking through Wikipedia, only only a handful have won it twice or mm. three times. Um, and he's only the fourth. I think he's only the fourth defending champion not to play in the following year. Um, I think Tiger was the last one in 2014, but he was injured. Um, but it's, it's sort of it sort of echoes. This sort of echoes the PGA Championship of last year when questions were asked about um, how do you feel about Phil Mickelson not being at the PGA? Because obviously he was the defending champion from the previous year at Kiwa Island. Um, it, it does make it quite interesting that he literally lives... I know a lot of them live in Florida or like Jupiter, um, but he doesn't live obviously far from the course. So he He's, a, he's think, a Jacksonville resident. He, yeah, he lives within a few mm, miles, basically. He and he sort—I think he's teased um, in a video recently that he he could go as a spectator um, to, to to watch the golf. But um, I sort of think Cameron Smith, this specific matter with Cameron Smith and the players, is is more of a sad indictment of 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 the hostility between Live Golf and PJ Tour. I mean, I obviously think he shouldn't be playing because that's the rules. He's been suspended, so therefore he can't play. But for example. Um, his defense. Would you, his, sorry to interrupt, but would, would you like to see him playing? Like, yeah, I would. I would. I'd like to see them all playing. I'd like to see. I'd like to see Brooks Kepka playing and things like that. And I, I did sort of. Um, I did sort of mention in, in my piece yesterday that um, obviously this is known as the as golf's fifth major. And if it was by its own, Americans. yeah, by Americans. Um, if <laughs> if if it was actually if the players was actually its own organization, then he would be playing because obviously the majors. And sort of standalone organisations have been more forgiving towards live golfers compared with the PGA Tour. Um, so obviously they've just suspended and suspended everyone. Um, but yeah, as I say, it, it was it was. I think this situation does um, reflect how how sort of hostile and, and sad the situation is because he's had his past champions car parking space removed and. And things are getting very yeah, sort of I'm petty. Using it. We're using it actually. We've uh, <laughs> yeah. we've managed to park right up against the clubhouse, <laughs> so it's worked out for us. Um, but it's just things like that. I, th- I believe his pictures are set up in the clubhouse of it of his victory. 
Um, but is he also, it just sort of echo Phil Mickelson's um, disappearance from the PGA as well. But I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it takes away takes away from the field. We've had an exciting start to the season, and like you say, he's not been playing. So if he, he's not really been playing. Um, he played once, obviously in Mexico this year, um, so far. But he, he would he would add, he would add to the field like a lot of them would. But as they sort of all boringly said, he, he made a decision, and that had consequences, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it is a strange one. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be taking down photos of him mm. of, of his past wins I mean you can't the PGA Tour can affect the future with their rules and regulations and absolutely I am fully supportive of their decision to ban live golf players from playing mm. on the PGA Tour but you can't erase the past I mean to be to if you did have a situation where they started taking photos of him down from the clubhouse that's that's taking it way too far well, the think car that, parking a... thing I think people are making too much of the car park thing he's not going to use it he's not going to be going down mm. to to sawgrass for you know for anything anytime soon certainly not for the players so having a cast parking space dedicated to him it would be a strange thing. And I think taking it away is, is not, I, I, I think it's just one of those things where someone's latched onto a small bit of information mm. and, and made it far bigger than it I used did, to be. I did notice on the field list. Um, I looked on sort of the field list and the, how each player got in and gets into the field. Sure. Um, and Webb Simpson, if you look at Webb Simpson's um, eligibility for this, because he's won this, I can't remember what year he won it. Um, but he's won this fairly recently. Um, he, he is a past. He, he gets in as a as a winner of the Players Championship, and he's the only one in the fields that has that eligibility. The rest of them have sort of top 125 from the FedEx Cup and winners tournament winners from last year. But I found that quite interesting that he's the only one that has qualified as being a past champion. So it so it is an, so it clearly is an, an eligibility um, criteria. But obviously you have to be a PGA Tour m- member. Um, I can't remember if Cameron Smith actually just actually gave up his membership. But yeah, no, I, well, I, I don't. Quite, I don't think that. I, I genuinely don't think that matters. It was mm. uh, Webb Simpson was 2018. I was in my head. I was like, it was 17 or 18. So I'm going to give myself half. A yeah, <laughs> but they, they, they are. They are a large chunk of last year's field was were live golfers. 31 of them were playing last year. Um, Anna Banlahiri nearly nearly won. Um, Paul Casey came in the top five. Well, yeah, it was, there was a, it was very strange last year, wasn't it? There was there was some, something like six of the top ten in last year's players went on to play for Live Golf. Yeah, which I suppose Live could claim as a um, as a point uh, as, as to how strong their Call fields it. are. Call it their major. But I found it. I, I did enjoy. Um, yesterday was like a bumper day of press conferences, wasn't it? A sort of a bumper day of. A bumper day of PGA Tour propaganda, really, wasn't it? Um, especially when Jay Monahan sort of came on. I found it quite funny when someone asked him um, about the no-cut thing and its resemblance to live golf. And I think he sort of said, do you honestly think, or or did you honestly not see how different we are with, with no-cut sort of being the only resemblance? Um, but that's what I sort of, there was a lot said yesterday, but it was sort of like a, I don't know, it was almost like a promotional event. <laughs> with all the players well, it, sort of coming out as someone who was in the room it was mm, go on, yeah, yeah. i was in the room for mcroy ram jt i miss spieth inexplicably <laughs> because I, I was just i was 
so excited to go out and see 17 which i've mm. obviously never seen before which we'll get to later uh, i was in the room for show flow as well there was it's very funny because every time you go to one of these things there's always at least one journalist who is there with a list of things very specific questions mm. that he or she has to ask every single player and it's always there's sort of this ongoing thing in the golf industry that when we go to the open there's always some incredibly nice Japanese journalists all flood over to the open <laughs> because they're, they're following the Japanese players in in the open mm. and obviously they have to ask questions about Japanese players so you've got journalists asking players like Rory McIlroy what they think of a player that Rory McIlroy has definitely never seen play <laughs> and they're always very polite they're all they always say yeah you know um oh we're going to um like like McIlroy will always say something like Oh, you know, I, I saw him on the range earlier. He's got a lovely swing. He hits it really far and things like that. Just sort of the, the, the general things you Generic. would say about someone mm-hmm. you don't really know much about. And it, it's very, it's very funny. But yeah, this this uh, journalist from Bloomberg obviously had been sent there by her editor on a mission to just ask questions about live golf and, and the fractures in the game at the moment. Yeah, really and good questions. By the time they, they were fantastic questions and she genuinely got some really good answers. Mm. But it, it was one of those things where I was, uh, you know, I'm a good people watcher and I was just surveying the room. We're, we're sort of on the side of we're over on the left hand side of the media centre. If, you, if you've never seen a media centre, not you, I'm talking to the listener. If you've never seen a media centre, it's basically just about 10 rows of desks, which are mm. about, I don't know, 50 meters it's just banks and banks and banks of desks of a uni lecture yeah exactly and you're just just all sitting in your little clusters and then it's actually quite good here because at other tournaments you tend to go into another room for press conferences but here they just have the the Mm. the plinth as it were the desk up in front of the journalist so you'll just be tapping away and suddenly Rory McIlroy sat right in front of you but I was surveying the room and by about the sixth time that she'd asked the same question I just I saw some eyes roll with the uh certainly with the uh should we call them the veterans <laughs> am I a veteran probably um I wasn't rolling my eyes I was absolutely it, I she mm. was asking some questions that needed to be asked and fair play to her she she got in there and did it and it it was awkward she certainly ruffled a few feathers with the the players and with um, mm. as you mentioned before, I thought John Rams I thought John Rams was the um the most sort of enlightening well he he was yesterday. the one that came out and he just said he's more honest know, than the rest of them. yeah I, McElroy McElroy's very good at considering his answer and thinking about it a little bit before he says it and then he generally says something quite insightful John Rahm tends to just go he, he sort of just went what, what, what do you want me to say mm. like he knew the consequences when he went to live yeah. and he, he there's no messing around with John Rahm whether he's talking or or playing uh Justin Thomas was hilarious he just this I, I tweeted this yesterday but Rory McIlroy was asked about the live golf and the and the and the new changes to the PGA and all that stuff and he he talked for 16 minutes about it Justin Thomas was asked about it and he just went I'm not smart enough to talk about these yeah. things Xander just... Z- said basically said I'm not a lawyer you're asking the wrong person which I think is a fair thing uh Jay Monaghan said uh, J- Jay Monaghan I mean he talks doesn't he um, yeah but he I thought he was very considered with what he was saying. He did get called out a couple of times and he 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 did own up and just say, "Yep, yeah, it is awkward, but yeah. we're here for we you know, the live players aren't here. We're going to have to and I sort of agree with what well, I don't sort of agree with it. I do agree with it. Like the the live players aren't here. We need mm. to just get over that fact. 
we knew we, it we've, talked came about this on, we've talked about this on this podcast before but i'm not missing any of those players i'm this 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 tournament is not going to be any different to me or the the general fan because brooks kepka isn't here with his injury problems and slug into a miscut or you know bryson DeChambeau's not here okay he's, he's he's entertaining but how much are you as a fan actually going to miss someone like him i think not having the defending champion here is a huge shame mm. because i think every single golfer and john Rahm said this yesterday and i completely agree every single golfer should have the chance to defend a trophy that they have won mm. I think, rules rules, I think we saw yesterday like the levels of involvement in the in the um, player led new player led PGA Tour. Like I think John Rahm's very much focused on winning tournaments, yeah. um, his game, um, turn up every week, doing his best he can. Um, I don't think he, did, he didn't come across it as as someone who who is. In massively involved in devising all the designated events, especially when at times he's been told he, that he reveals that he's been told things by the media before he's heard it from the actual players or, or the actual players advisory council. Um, so he's very much someone who takes a back seat, I think, and I don't, and I don't blame him. I, I, I was thinking yesterday, like Rory gets keeps on getting praised for um, playing great golf, winning tournaments while devising the PGA Tour's future which which is obviously amazing but I sort of think sh- should it be up to him should it be up to I, I could understand it well with Tiger because he's got more time in his hands and he and he, and he it could he's got more time to take an active leadership role but with Rory like I think the PGA Tour is better for a player-led a player-led approach but should it be up, I, I sort of thought should it be up to them should it be up to Rory he's a golfer he's not a, like a he's not a parish council member is he like <laughs> i've just sort well, of got that idea from it no i i sort i sort of see where you're coming from but the P, the pj tour is about the players and and about the fans like the the, the two most important mm. factors are those, those are the two most important factors the players and the fans and the players have got to be happy otherwise they're all just going to go and take the live money mm. and the fans have got to be presented with a product that is entertaining and is going to keep them coming back week in week out have they got that right over the last however many years no of course not I mean Rory McIlroy called I thought I I thought Rory made a very good point actually he said that it's not just live golf he he, first of all he called the PGA Tour antiquated which it is I think Mm. we've all been saying that for a long time we've all been you know screaming for changes and he made a very good point that he said it's not just live golf that the PGA Tour is up against. It's also up against TikTok and Instagram and all the other things that take people's mm. attentions away. Twitter, things like that. I mean, how often and I'm as guilty as this as anyone. And I know that you are and I know that my friends are that you'll just be sitting there watching the golf and it might go to an ad break, for example. And you just naturally just pick up your phone Mm. through twitter see what people are saying about the golf and before you know it you've been looking at instagram or twitter or whatever and you look back up at the tv and you've missed like five minutes of golf and i'm like i'm sat here watching the golf and my attention's (laughs) on my phone yeah like we're all guilty of that so i thought that was a very good point that was so they have got to make it more interesting um I mean, it's it's certainly not causing McElroy any problems being on the on the players' council. He is obviously the main man. Let's just call him the main man. I like that. Yeah. 
but it's certainly not causing him any issues because he's still playing incredibly yeah, well. I mean, you talk about last week, McElroy was in a, you know, he was at the API at Bay Hill. He was in, a, they had a seven hour meeting on Tuesday. And then, and then, Mac, um, you know, McElroy does all his other things that he needs to do. And then he goes out and finishes second. So, and, and, you know, would you, would you bet against him winning this week? Of mm. course you wouldn't. He's in, he's, he's in unbelievable form. A meeting, and a meeting which James Hahn didn't attend, apparently. This this was the funniest thing, because he, he comes off the stand, having talked for 15, 16 minutes, been very insightful, and then he and then he comes down, and then someone says, oh, what do you think about James James Hahn's comments? And then he goes, uh, he basically said, excuse my language, but this is a direct quote. He said, you know, you can't believe that he, he talks all that shit and then doesn't turn up to the meeting, which is a very good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the meeting was the meeting was at 7.30. I mean, John Rahm was very, John Rahm was like, Dude, the meeting was at seven thirty. Of course, I wasn't there. I was well, the, the, I think I was that sums up. And... That's why I love John Rahm. That sort of sums up. Yeah, he's, he's with his kids, but also he's sort of alluded to the thing of I'm not getting up to go to that, well, especially yeah, exactly. if it could potentially last seven hours like last week. But I don't. But Ro- but but people like John Rahm and Max Homer, who are top ten players in the world, are not the people that that meeting should be about. Like Rory McIlroy has to mm. go there in his capacity as the main man, and then. <laughs> Everyone else who has concerns or questions about these changes, they should have been there. James Hahn should have been there. Of course he should have been. He's been the most outspoken person on this the whole time. Mm, he should have showed up. And someone else made a quip about it as well. I think it was Max Homer. Max Homer didn't show up because, A, like I said, he didn't need to. But, B, he did say he was going to. But then um, his mm. son, Cam, had a... Uh, he spared us the details, but I think it's safe to say it was a, a toilet incident with his... Right with his child so he was he was knee deep in uh, nappies i think um knee deep in something else he, he did he did make he made a quip saying you know and, and justin thomas did as well actually now i think about it i'm just going back through my memory banks 24 hours but justin thomas and max homer both made a little quip about james Hart mm. without actually naming him so there is obviously some animosity between the mm. players who are have been heavily involved in this and players like James Hahn. I thought it was good that Rory Rory sort of admitted that admitted that this year's designated schedule was self-serving, didn't he, as well? I think yes. he admitted that um this this schedule very much favoured the top fifty, sixty players. So I thought that was a good I thought that that, that was a good um thing for Rory to say. Um certainly adjusted the schedule for for more players to have access to these new designated events. I think what was uh, interesting after, was, yeah. sorry, what he what he did say was that originally they'd gone in with the plan that it would just be these new elevated purse no cut events would serve. Um, I think he said for, did he say thirty or forty percent of players? And the PGA Tour said no, it needs to be sixty percent because that's what mm, it's yes, closer yeah, to. So yeah. they had to get it closer to sixty percent, which yeah. I thought was interesting. I do sort of think, um, I don't know, I listened to Peter Malnati speak recently. He's on the, he's replaced James Hahn on, on the council, I think. Yeah. This is the second week in a row you've got Peter Malnati in the podcast. Are you on some sort of, <laughs> is this like, you remember when the England he's, players at Euro 96 had to get song titles in the, oh, yeah, yeah, in their yeah. interviews? Yeah. Um, I just, I just sort of think, I don't know. I, I do get how this obviously benefits um, a wider audience of players on the PJ tour there's more there is opportunities um to qualify for these events and obviously I'm very much of the opinion that j- just play better golf if you want to qualify for these events 
play get play better golf. But I think I don't know. I think there still is some sort of self-serving thing to it in terms of the no cut element um, with, with the guarantee with, with with guaranteed money. One other just just to come away from the elevated per- like we we know that's mm. going to happen. We're thrown forward to that. Mm. Let's let's get back on track with the players stuff because. One interesting thing that came up in in McElroy's press conference was the fact that only five Europeans have won this tournament. Now there's been mm, that's an interesting there's, point. There's been four. Sandy Lyle was the first in '87, and then he was followed by Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson, who went back to back, and then Martin Keimer and of course McElroy. Now five winners out of 48, 49 feels it feel it sort of feels like a low bit. Like McElroy said, well, you know, it's around 10, percent but that which actually sort of feels all right but it, when you say five out of 48 it doesn't really feel like enough yeah now he made a very good point and he said you know all the all the top europeans live in this part of the world now certainly you know during this part of the season and he you he his exact quote was i don't think there's any excuses which is sort of a a challenge to his fellow europeans yeah yeah that is a that is um that was a really interesting part of his press conference, actually. Um, but Europeans haven't been that badly represented at players. Um, Lee Westwood came second two years ago. Um, Ian Poulter. Should, should have won it, really. Yeah, Ian Poulter's come second twice. Um, Garcia's come second as well as twice, as well as winning it. Um, Luke Donald. Luke Donald came second in 2005, which seems quite mad. Patrick Harrington came second the year before that. In fact, Patrick Harrington came second two years in a row. Um Montgomery came second in 1996. So just because they haven't won, I suppose it doesn't mean that they haven't been well represented. But yeah, I thought that was a, especially in a in in a year that where the Ryder Cup's going to have a different complexion as well, with a big void left by live golf players. Um, it definitely is a um sort of a gauntlet laid down by McElroy, I suppose. Um, but I don't think I don't think Europe will be without chances this week. Um, Victor Hovland's um Victor Hovland played well last week, although I think he's beginning to have doubts about. Hovland's maybe wilting under pressure on Sundays. His finishing ability. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we saw that laid bare at the Open last year, didn't we? I mean, the guy yeah. put himself in as good a contention as he's ever going to get to to become Norway's first ever male golf. Uh, sorry, to become Norway's first ever male major champion. Mm, just sort and of stalled. Absolutely. Well, did he bottle it? I'm, I'm not sure because uh, the focus was on McElroy's yeah. so-called bottle job, I suppose. But. Yeah, Victor Hovland has, yeah. has there's huge issues with Hovland and his finishing ability, isn't there? But this think, sort of feels like it sort of feels like the place for and I've, I've been out there and there's it's it's so much narrower than it looks on TV. There are a couple of holes, fifteen off the top of my head, and eleven which are just so t- like you look at them on the TV and you think, okay, fine, these players are finding fairways, but you look at them in real life and you're like how how do they mm. hit those fairways <laughs> so maybe maybe this feels like a, a matt fitzpatrick kind of course mm, perhaps well shane lowry's i think is quite fancy this this week he's had a few good finishes at, um um at sawgrass um i saw he was out with like 40 or 50 to one so I'm, i might have a little double mm, there. he got holding one last year on 17 didn't he he did yes how, how much how much of the course have you actually seen or did, so, did you see yesterday yeah, we did. We did go out for a little bit yesterday. So we walked up 18 because the 18th green is, of course, right next to the clubhouse. Uh, so we walked up 18, which is obviously spectacular. And again, just a ridiculously narrow fairway. And of course, mm. there's there's no bailout. You're either in the water if you're left or you're in the trees if you're right. So it's just the most ludicrous <laughs> tee shot, uh, which you don't really see it until you go and stand behind the tee. But, 
you know every single play you, you just go over the water basically mm. um so that you know it's not really any different to, to 17 in that respect you're just basically playing your tee mm. shot over water then of course we chip around the um the grandstand behind 17 and saw that for the first time which was sort of slightly surreal because it doesn't mm. look anything like you see it on tv and i'm not really sure how to describe it it's yeah. when you're when you you're first of all when you walk up from the 18th tee over to near the 17th green you're much higher up than i thought you would be for some reason i always had that in my head it was always just sort of flat there but you're you're probably 30 or 40 feet above the green and that is a spectacular place to watch it from i stood there nice. and watch a watch a few players hit shots there mm. and then you walk down behind the t- it's a lot more i don't know it's probably because it's the grandstands but it's it's a lot more enclosed than i imagined it to be like in my head it was more open mm. if that makes sense and you've got the over if you're standing behind the tee looking at the green it just looks so different to how you imagine it would look you can basically see the front left of the green and then you can see the the top bridge basically that's all yeah the, the, the green is far more slopes than you think it would be from that angle it's really strange but you just and weirdly (laughs) this is where i'm going to get my um this is where i'm going to get my callaway link in the first player i ever saw hit a shot at the 17th at tpc sawgrass was Mm -hmm. emiliano grillo and Mm -hmm. he absolutely nailed it middle of the green that was seamless i'm so good at this we thank callaway of course for their Mm. involvement and their dedication to the slam podcast it never ever gets boring being that close to professional golf to like, the, yeah well, not, not just a professional golfer but a tour golfer the world's best and just watching how they how they strike golf balls it's mesmerizing and i, I never ever I, honestly will never ever get bored of it mm. and right you you literally when you're standing on the if you're up against the ropes which we were because obviously it's practice day there's not as many people there and you're right up against the rope you really are sort of five to ten feet away from these players and there's no other sport like that where you can no, get so close re- yeah it's really it's really good and you know stood there watched a few players hit and every single one like obviously first of all just the, the ball flight is just something you and i could never ever dream of and then you're sort of looking down at the green and you're sort of thinking oh my god is it going to get there is it going to get there mm. and you just and obviously the wind swirling around in there and you just it's a lot of it is is a lottery yeah like I, i'm watching players hit unbelievable shots and i'm thinking yes and you know in your head you do that golfer mm. thing where you go that is in the hole and yeah, then, yeah. And, then, and then and then it lands like in the bunker or you know you you, you look at him and you think oh god that's in the water and then mm. it sort of just starts coming back in and lands five feet from the pin and you just think jesus it's just so it's an incredibly under, unpredictable hole, and you can see why so many players' championships have been decided, you know, mm. won and lost on that hole. Um, have you looked at what's the weather forecast like for the week? Yeah, so there's a bit of wind about, and generally, I mean, yesterday was hot and humid. My hair was not a fan of yesterday's weather. <laughs> uh, yesterday mm. being Tuesday, if you're not listening on Wednesday. And uh, so I think, yeah, generally, it's going to be a bit cooler for the rest of the week. I think we're looking at in english money 23 24 degrees for the rest of the week with a bit of wind swirling around so, so it's not, it's not gonna then, be a monday finish I, not I, last I, year. <laughs> no I, I don't think there's any concerns about mm. monday finishes or covid pandemics 
stopping <laughs> me. So, yeah, then, of course, you've got... And, again, it's one of those things that you don't really think about when you watch it on TV because you very rarely see it as, you know, one big whole thing. But mm. the 16th green is, of course, on the same body of water as the 17th. Yes. Yeah. So you've got this, you know, you've got this approach to 16, which is just you've got a bunker down the left-hand side of the green as you're as you're approaching from the fairway. You've got water on your right. So there's just no room to get it wrong on 16. I thought that's quite an underrated hole, 16. Yeah. It's Because obviously it's, when you think of Sawgrass, obviously you think of 17 and perhaps 18, but 16 is such a sort of make or break hole as well. Um, there's that famous shot from years ago that Davis Love hit, I think, from the Pines draw. I think yeah. hit a wood onto the green. Um, so the, the, I think a lot of tournaments have been sort of um, one I lost in the 16th hole as well. So that looks, that just looks brilliant as well but it's, it's sort of people don't people underestimate it and if you there is there's there's a runoff area at the front left of the green before the mm. bunker which is in and, and, you know and you know, you go over and you stand and watch players practicing and that is where a lot of them were practicing from they, they were hitting little chips from there oh, yeah. to, to various pin positions from the week mm. which is you know when when you're watching players like this is why I always encourage people to go on a practice day to these tournaments if they can, because you just see things that you There's so much you'll better. never see in you'll never see them in tournament days. And There's it's so really much better. a fascinating insight into uh, a player's preparation for a tournament. And you yeah. know, Hannah and I were watching players hit chips from that little runoff area. And yeah. I was just looking at it, just thinking, I would just there's no point in playing that chip. Like, uh, you know, you or I playing it, I would just be, I would just be putting it onto the green, I think, yeah. and just you know, running away with my... I remember it, um, at, at the Open in 2011 at St George's. Um, so it's only a few minutes away. Yeah, so only a few minutes away from my family home in Dover. Um, we had a sneaky day off um, school. I was about 13 um, to go to the this practice would have been day. and 2011 Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in so... We went on the Wednesday to the practice day, um, and these were still the days of autographs. So you just we, we were trying to get as many autographs as possible. I remember sort of just standing on the side of the 17th of St George's, which is like a like, like a long par four with with with, with a raised green, with a, a big slope at the front, and sort of you just watch the chips they were playing. A few players hitting woods, high, chipping with chipping with woods hybrids um testing out what sort of shots they were going to hit so yeah the 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 practice days are just i mean even for work as well you can sometimes maybe sneak into the ropes on practice days can't you and walk down the rough sort of thing yeah because there's less people there and there's less sort of um less sort of maybe security presence or bothered about people walking inside the ropes um but practice days are just just class aren't they yeah i was um if you especially uh, as it is here where if people are only there for the practice day, they're obviously just going to spend the whole day just sitting on 17. Mm, and yeah, players yeah, there. Sure. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of space to be had elsewhere and, you know, you can walk around the property and get really up close and personal with some of the players. So yeah, that's my, uh, Alex's mm. tip of the day. Go to a practice <laughs> yeah. day. So yeah, so really good. Like I'm going to hopefully go out and see more of the course today. Hit the mm. merch tent up, obviously got myself a little cap. Yeah. Pretended that I was going to buy some presents for people back home, but then didn't. I think mm. this probably feels like a, a very good place to plug Hannah's video. She was lucky enough to go and play TPC Sawgrass in, I want to say, January. And she did a what we call a vlog in the industry where <laughs> she was challenged to she she played it under in a players championship setup 
and she was challenged to break 80 and it's an inc- I'm obviously not going to spoil it but it's an incredibly interesting video for anyone who thinks they can just turn up at these places and, and tear them apart because they <laughs> because they shoot 10 over at their local muni yeah. every week um now it's, it's that that's that's my, yeah, it's brilliant. my plug done good yeah it's brilliant i've watched that of course in terms of winners mm. i'll start I'll, I'll tell you what let's start with our resident tipster tom jacobs who has gone for mr patrick cantley this week how do you feel about yes that? yes i mean a solid solid place to begin um tied fourth last week third at the genesis as well um just Mr. He is sort of Mr. Consistent on the PGA Tour, isn't he? There's nothing sort of nothing sort of sexy about his game, is there? He just sort of gets on with it. Um, yeah, a tied second at the Shriners Children Open as well. Just at the end of last season, he won the BMW. As, as, as good a pick as any, I think. Although he did miss the cut last year, actually. Last year was pretty adverse, abnormal weather conditions, so made it a bit of a toss-up. Um, and I think he's gone with Shane Larry as well, wasn't he, Tom? So... That's um, another solid pick, I think. It's a Shane came tied third, tied thirteenth last year, so he's got form at Sawgrass. Not his best week last week. Um, he's uh, he was after that Honda Classic title again um, in the previous week. He came tied fifth there, um, and he's gone with Jason Day as well. A bit of a late pick that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Jason Day is obviously a, a, a past champion, and he's he's playing some really nice golf again. It's, it's he's one of those trending, players, isn't he? That, he sort of went trending. That is that is the uh, mm. the buzz phrase, isn't it? He Day's a funny one, isn't he? Because he he had all these problems. He had, you know he, everyone again one of those players that everyone was like, oh, he's going to win fifteen majors in the next four years, and then he had some injury problems. He suffered from vertigo. He's he's sort of been out of the mix a little bit. But yeah, it's really good to see him back in form. You know, played well last week at the API. Uh, yeah, well, he has been playing well. He likes playing in Florida, mm. obviously. He's a past champion of this tournament. I sort of feel like at 28 to one, I'm not tempted enough by that. Yeah, I was speaking I'm, to I'm certainly that, mate. more yeah. tempted by. Um, I'm certainly more tempted by Shane Lowry at 40. That's mm. for sure. Uh, or 50, I'll, I've seen him in some places. Yeah, I was speaking to my flatmate yesterday. Um, we often sort of discuss who we're better on each week um, in the golf. And yeah, I thought 20, 28 to one was a bit short, but he's he's also rocketed into the. Um, he started. He, he went into the Phoenix Open at 91 in the world, and now he's 43 in the world. So he's likely going to be able to qualify for the Masters in that sense, um, in the top 50. So yeah, he, he is playing like he used to. He was fifth in Phoenix, um, then a top 10 at Genesis, and a top 10 at the Arnold Palmer. So you can see why Tom went with him. Um, yeah. a, a pick that, and his his fourth and final pick was Keegan Bradley, I believe, um, which is slightly more bigger odds. And a really interesting selection. A recent winner, I thought. Recent, yeah, recent return to the winner's circle of the Zozo Championship. Um, he, then a few weeks later, he came second at the Farmers Insurance Open. And he came tied tenth last week. So it is when Tom sends for his tips, it is just so tempting just to sort of back like two or three, like either back all of them or back sort of t- two of them because because all his research is so sort of convincing. Well, that's why he's the expert. That's why he does it for a yeah. living. Yeah, who exactly. are you? Who are you backing? Who, if I had to, and, and you're not allowed to pick any of those names that you're not allowed to copy Tom's names. If I said to you right now, put your mortgage on it. Who's winning the Players Championship? Well, if I had to choose, yeah, if I had to choose, I'd, I think I'd just say Scotty Scotty Scheffler. Like it's a bit, it's a bit boring, but I just think 
out of the top three players at the minute that have sort of separated themselves, if I had to bet on one every week, I think it would be Scotty Scheffler. And he's still a decent price, actually, I think. He's, I think he's like 10 to 1. Sure. Um, he's, he's, he sort of seems, this is sort of, it sort of seems like a strange thing to say, but he's more consistent than Ram and Rory, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it does sound. Or so maybe reliable is the better word. He's yeah, more, yeah, he reliable, feels more reliable than those two. Ram a few years ago, a few years ago, a few weeks ago, said that sort of Scotty's Scotty's game is not maybe on point every day, but you sort of walk off the 18th and you sign his card and it's and he's shot a 67. Yeah. So I think that does sum up Scotty Scheffler. So if that's one player, that well, that is one player that I would have to back if if not if not any of Tom's. Um, is there anyone you particularly fancy this week? Yeah, well, I mean, I was watching McElroy in his press conference. I watched him hit a few shots in his practice round. And then obviously that James, <laughs> James Hahn quip. And I thought, oh, Rory's going to win this by 10. Um, I think I, it wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape or form if McElroy and Rahm were the two players going toe-to-toe mm. down, the, down the stretch and actually that would be the biggest result for not only the fans but the PGA Tour as well I'm going to have a little bit of a nibble on Ricky Fowler I think yeah playing himself back into form fan favourite everyone loves him I saw I followed him for a hole yesterday and the the crowds absolutely love him and he'll be buzzing off that he's obviously a local lad lives a couple of hours down the road and yeah, he's he's playing some really nice golf again. Justin Thomas talked about him. He was asked about Ricky Fowler in his press conference and he and he said, I'm not a coach and I'm the last person you should come to for help with your swing and things <laughs> like that. But, you know, uh, Ricky's one of my best friends and, you know, I'll put an arm around him and I'll talk to him. And the other players, as well as the fans, are absolutely buzzing that he's back in form. You know, he's he's finished second here at least once. He's won it, of course. It was his, you know, certainly the biggest win on his CV. Mm. It would be, yeah, I, th- I think that would be a huge result for the PGA Tour as well, having a, a huge fan favourite come back. Although he was one of those ones who was tempted yeah. to go to live, wasn't he? But he was. Um, I'm, I'm going to have a little nibble on Ricky. That's that's who I'm picking. As, as my, I, I mean, I'll, I'll save Rory, my Rory pick for the Masters. I think. Mm. I think, he, and and he was also doing the walk and talk last week, wasn't he? Um, so he's really sort of embracing. Playing, just playing better in general with Butch Harmon, isn't he? So, yeah, and a past champion, as you say. I'd like to see Ricky have a good week. Really good to see. So you're on Scheffler. I'm mm. on Fowler. Our resident expert, Tom Jacobs, is on several players for various <laughs> reasons, all of which he has explained very well yeah. on nationalclubgolfer.com. Right, I think that's probably long enough. It's not even 7am yet, and I've been chatting about the players <laughs> for nearly an hour. So... I'm, I'm going to go get in the car now and spend an hour or so fearing for my life on a US highway through on Jacksonville. On the freeways, yeah. And good luck. Yeah. Enjoy the week, everyone. Go and watch Hannah's video if you haven't seen it yet. It's very good. And follow us on social media and buy some yeah. Callaway gear because they're our friends. <laughs> Have a good All week. Right. Cheers, Matt. Enjoy the week. <laughs>